0: with the filmmaking team of Losing Faith, uh, um, a fable based on the Night Stalker case. We are with the director, Alan, and we're with the writer, producer, and star of the film, uh, Michael. Uh, so, Michael, I got to start with you. So, you you wrote the script, you star in the film, you produced the film. When did you kind of, is this, like? first of all, is this a bigger, is there a bigger film here? Is this like a proof of concept of a feature?
1: Uh, not at the moment. It's just a short
0: so tell me about the idea. When did you kind of come up with this idea to, to write this script?
1: Actually, it wasn't my idea. It was Alan's idea. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, Alan, I had done a one man show, written a one man show about my life and performed it at Fringe and, and in New York. And I guess Alan does a one person situation, uh, like show called Common Ground. Anyway, he was looking for somebody, a a Latino guy. But the, to, to play the night stalker and to play the cop that catches him, but he needed to find it. But he also wanted him to write it an actor that could write it and to act in it. And <laughs> okay, he had that's, heard, a, I guess, down, down, yeah, I guess, in that one person no, show. Right. <laughs> do you want so, to do
0: theatering too, uh, Alan? You just, you could, he's writing and he's directing, yeah, so I, I asked yeah. him to walk my dog if he had the
2: time
1: so that's how that came about and and I we we hardly knew each other but he reached out to me and I said uh yeah let's let's go for it let's do it so why did you what
0: motivated you Michael to be a part of the project
1: well I know the Night Stalker case right and I'd recently just seen the um I had just seen the documentary on Netflix but what I what on a filmmaker standpoint is how can I be two characters in the same film that are totally different one's 25 and one's 40 and then he's 70s in his 70s yeah but just like how so like just with the different techniques filmmaking wise with lighting with makeup with the makeup artist uh how i and just angles on how we i thought it was really really interesting i was up for the challenge of trying to make that work so the Night Stalker
0: case to give people some context, uh, that was Richard Ramirez, correct? And he was uh he got caught, right? And basically, but he was like a serial killer and sex offender. And yes. it was he was based in California. What, when was it? Like in the eighties?
1: Yeah, in the eighties.
0: And uh basically he he was sentenced to death, right? They put him on the on the like
1: he died in prison. Uh, I th- I don't know if he got sentenced to death, but he died in prison.
0: Oh yeah, he was waiting. Ex- but he was gonna. He was he yeah. was waiting execution, but then he died. I guess right. Yes. And so, what motivates you guys? What's so motivating about the Night Stalker case? It's one of those gray areas where you like, uh, cause cause we like you don't want to like make him like famous. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to like heighten his, his, uh, his, his horrific crimes, I guess. Right. It's like, but you want to tell thematic of like, why, why this occurred, I guess. Right. I don't know if that makes sense. What I just said.
2: No, it, make, it makes total sense. What, what happened is I had attended uh, before I knew Michael, I attended a um, symposium at the uh, downtown public library with De- De- detective Gil on his partner, whose name, unfortunately I forget right now, but we Google it while there. So we honor him. I was really taken with it and I had, I've been living in Los Angeles since the mid eighties. So I was around for all of that and, you know, watching it uh, intently on on local television back then. And uh, when I started reading about how they solved the case, uh, it was really quite fascinating to me, but instead of doing a a biopic, um, uh, I wanted to do a short version. And I thought it was a fascinating idea to have one actor play both roles. I had done a directed a play reading where I've had like I did a directed a play reading of Death of a Salesman where I had one actress play uh, uh, Willie Loman's wife and the woman he has an affair with. It was very effective and I thought interesting uh, for an audience to do that. And uh, when I was tra- starting to produce Common Ground with Michael in it, who I got introduced to by an actress friend of ours named Lisa Katara, uh, COVID hit so we never got to work together. But I was always taken with uh, his re- reading of his piece and us. We immediately got along. And in this world and in this life, you have to have intuition, you have to have instinct. And I had a really good feeling about Michael without knowing anything about him, maybe spending one hour with him, with a group of other people. But I trust my instinct always and it was right. And I went to him with it and I said, would you like to, I'd like you to do a one man piece about Dick, the, detective uh, Gil Carrillo and Richard Ramirez, the Night, Night Stalker. And um, I'd like you to play both roles. He goes, oh, uh, uh, let me read the script. I go, oh no, you have to write the script. And, <laughs> The blood drained from his face when he said it. But um, I, I felt he was a creative type, and it took us about, I would say, Michael, maybe a year to finally get to production with it. Yeah. Um, and then Coming another up. another year in post, because not only is Michael a wonderful actor, he's also a wonderful musician and a, a wonderful editor. So really, I was in, I, I couldn't have been more fortunate as to find someone like Michael. I mean, there are a lot of Latin, Latino actors In L.A., I could approach, but none of them would have the multiple uh, array of chops that Michael had. So as a result, we have a wonderful short film and and it's not really a buy a pick. It's more like, um, as Michael has said, it's like a a fable based on the story. This way we don't run into any problems with anybody's, uh, you know, know, we do use the names, but, uh, you know, we don't get ourselves uh, into a litigation with anybody. So we're very, very, very pleased with it and very. Pleasantly surprised we're getting all these uh, uh, laurels from different film festivals. And by the way, thank you for supporting. And, and us. Especially this one. Yes, and thank especially you. Especially this one. Really, I mean, this is the first first podcast we've been invited to, and quite uh, honored and quite grateful. So that's pretty much the story. Uh, and it was a, it was a great shoot. Uh, how many weeks was it, Michael? I don't remember now.
1: It was it was like it was two days.
2: It was two days. That's right. One
1: one was the priest office, and the other shoot was the uh, was the killing scenes.
2: That's right. Right.
0: So wh- what are you, what are you trying to say with,
1: uh, thematically
0: him playing both roles? Like, it kind of reminds me of like Heat, right? Where like De Niro and Pacino are playing the same, they're, they're really the same character. One just happens to be a cop. One happens to be a criminal, right? Is that uh, what you're trying to say? Like, there's like a, there's like a thin line between, between mass murder and cop or, or am I, am I reaching there?
2: No, well, you're not reaching It's actually, you're actually very astute on that. I have, I grew up with a, in the Bronx, and one of my friends uh, was a, a, a sex crimes investigator, the other one was a shrink in a prison. We all grew up in the same street, and the craziest thing is later in life, the guy who became the um, the cop, and when he arrested people, sent them to the prison, and the same guy that I grew up with would be long to try and rehabilitate them in prison. We all lived within about 500 feet of each other. But what they did point out to me is that the more they were around these people, they said, as bizarre as it feels, they thought, they said, I can almost imagine myself doing the things that this person did. I would never do them, but when you spend time with these people, you you start to understand it, not justify it and not not support it, but many times their background really led them to this. And then in other situations, they came from the best of childhoods and the best of parenting, and there's just something desperately off about them uh, psychologically or perhaps even chemically for all we know. So that was fascinating to me. It's like, uh, and then as an actor, you have to play all, I've been an actor for 54 years and I've played all sorts of roles and, you know, many times the question I have to ask myself, well, how am I like the character? And how am I not like the character? And I'm, I'm surprised to say that more times I can find out I'm more like anybody than I would imagine. Uh, even the most heinous of people, I can find room to understand them mm-hmm. and portray them and portray them as a human being, sometimes as a ghastly human being, but uh, that I've always found that uh, I can find more commonality as a character actor with different types that even though I am brought up a different way of a different religion, a different ethnicity, uh, as I start to work on it, I find co- uh, forgive me again back I find common ground okay. with it. And, uh, that's sort of what led to the common ground project and sort of led to this project. If there's so in the human, experience there's always almost something that you can find uh creatively that you can latch on to it doesn't doesn't again it doesn't say you're justifying hard people or hard behavior but no
0: i understand that's that's an actor's job right like you like actor. yeah
2: no, fil- filmmaker's job excuse yep. me i'm had it's getting hot in here
0: <laughs> so so michael uh playing tackling both roles obviously there's a little bit of a aesthetic change like your hairstyle changes your vibe changes but but didn't, but tackling both roles, you said you did it in two days. How is that preparation? I know it's kind of a vague question, but it must've been pretty intense to prepare with two roles at the same time.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it was, there were two different weekends, but, um, I don't know, it, it, uh, believe it or not, it was very creepy to do that. And, um, and it was difficult honestly to and but we had an actress Deborah deliso that played one of the victims and uh, luckily she's a good friend and and she trusted me but she allowed me to uh, really push the violence and and just um, how I figured I mean to wake up and to have somebody in your face with a knife <laughs> you know uh, I don't know it, it was it was difficult but I just uh I was able to do it because I think the theme that I came up with helped me get through it. And the theme was that that Gil was a Catholic and he was a he was a true Chicano. Yeah. He believed in did of the rosary and all that. And uh and his father was a big part of of his upbringing and who he turned out to be. And then in retrospect, uh Richard's father was horrible <laughs> to him. And really cruel and violent. And also,
2: with but also, and also Catholic and his father was a police officer in Mexico. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. So I so they're know They're both that.
0: like God-fearing kind of, kind of characters, I guess.
1: And able to just uh, look at it from a different lens. You know, this the religion and, and spirituality. So I just kind of tapped into that. As yeah. my approach.
0: Because I guess what they say, the, the interesting thing about the Night Stalker, quote unquote, character is that. He didn't have a pattern, I guess, right? Usually, there's a pattern of the same killing. Like he was all over the place, kind of. Yeah.
1: He really was. And there was really like no aren't.
0: ego, I guess, right? Where Absolutely most of these true. these these they have a huge ego. These these serial killers they want to be known. They want to be famous.
2: Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Ha- his profile. You're right. His profile did not fit any patterns before, or probably since they were really random. And uh, what finally, of course, busted him was uh, his uh, his sneaker footprint. Because he was wearing a sneaker that hadn't been really uh, sold that much in the United States, yet. it was uh, made in China and it was sold mostly in L.A. And that's what rates—that's really, what took him down. The sneaker footprint in the mud uh, of all crazy things. But you're, you're correct. The, prof, the profile was very different, and um, and the uh, the choice of victims didn't have that much of a similarity. Um, you know, it wasn't always women, and it wasn't always um, it wasn't always sexual, but sometimes, many times, it was. Sometimes it was just out and out the uh, yeah uh, brutality, uh blunt force, uh, uh, a murder,
0: so yeah, and then obviously, like he 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 got like it's all these kind of freakish kind of uh, they get like they get they get arrested by these weird kind of random things. I guess that's what detective work is, right? It's like these little tiny lead leads that get the, these people arrested like the son of Sam, I was just watching a movie with the son of Sam the killer of the seventies in New York, he got busted on a, on a, on a, on a parking ticket. Right. So. Grew, which was so random, around,
2: right. Grew up yeah. around the block from me was about a year behind me in high school. I never knew him. <laughs> Who's uh, that? Uh, David Berkowitz grew up around the block. From oh, me really? Tennessee. So, so to Sam, yeah, uh, I was a year younger than me, went to the same high school. We, it was a huge high school. We had 5,000 kids. I, I just never knew him. But many years ago I did, when I was younger, I did read for the, uh, for the TV movie. Uh, another <laughs> wonderful actor. Guy. Oh, so
0: that's, that's so interesting that I just brought that up. So you are brought up in
2: Queens and you, like, yeah. The Bronx, the so Bronx, watch yourself, pal. I thought he
0: was, I thought he was in the, I thought he did, like, I thought he did the killings in Queens.
2: He may have, he had, but he he, grew, he lived on Barnes Avenue around okay. the block. Sorry. And then he, it's okay. I'm <laughs> kidding. Yeah, no. You guys are all territorial <laughs> about the are very, around. very particular. You know, I saw a player doing the other night and in the play it says, a uh, guy's taking the number six train to the, uh, to Yankee Stadium, and if I recall, the number six train doesn't go to Yankee it Stadium. It
0: doesn't. I, I even I know that. I'm not from New York City, right? <laughs> the so, train,
2: yeah. I, I'll have to call him and say, you know, I know this is so picky, but yeah. you got to change your train number.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I, is, it, is it the nine train that goes to to Flushing, right, for the Mets? Uh
2: You know what? I, I haven't lived yeah. in New York now since 1986. The blue
0: train, yeah. So basically, but it's the it's but the the, train, right? the yellow train goes to to Yankee Stadium. So right, right. I so have it have can't the be the number team. six train. <laughs> sorry anyway sorry Michael <laughs>
1: so
0: okay I've so basically to the Yankee Stadium,
1: so, is that? I've taken the train to the Yankee Stadium recently like within the last year
0: there you go yeah so it's the right it's the yellow train right it's the YZ whatever train yeah
1: I think so I think so yeah. but I would know better
0: okay so basically tell me about the the oh no you're a Yankee, oh, no, you're a Yankee fan oh geez Sorry, I'm I'm from Toronto. I'm a I'm a oh. diehard Jays fan. So you're you're my enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch my step going forward. No, I'm totally kidding around. I love baseball, so whatever. I the Yankees did good because they when they're when they're when they're in the playoffs, baseball that means baseball is in a good position. So yeah. All right, so let's talk. Okay, so let's okay let's talk about the making of the film. So so Alan, so you did you do you have your it's a certain team that you work with all the time, like a cinematographer.
2: Yeah. Yes, I do. I work with a, a Peggy MacArthur and her husband, Merrick MacArthur. Merrick, by the way, played black LAPD officer uh, in, in one scene. And um, I also uh, uh, we also hired Carlos Carrasco, who is a, uh, a Panamanian born uh, American actor who is a wonderful actor. If you look him up, he's been tons of films and he and I have met at the Brooklyn Academy of Music doing a play in 1979 and never have and haven't worked since. But always were friendly when we were really running each to and we wouldn't see each other for almost decades at a time, but I was we were very friendly and warm back then, and when this role of the priest came up. Uh, I wanted him, you know, I wanted somebody strong and we were very fortunate to get Carlos because if you look up his IMDB he's worked a lot and he was just a pleasure to work with and another thing we had the two day shoot these guys walked on set. Prepared. They knew their lines, they knew where they needed to go. They were flexible to change direction if I gave them direction, but I, I really didn't look to put a heavy thumbprint of director I didn't want my direction to be, uh, you know, something that kind of jumps off the screen I wanted to try to keep their, the organic part of them, living off each other as actors and that as an actor director that's something that's important to me and seems to work. And we have. Um, my, my, usually I have different editors, but with Michael I didn't have to use my regular uh, editor, Michael, Mike Brugemeyer, who is a uh, Michael Brueggemeyer, who's a uh, edit, an Emmy Award-winning editor. And Cliff Keller was a music guy as well, because I had Michael to do both. So it was, with Michael, the score was for me it was one-stop shopping. And then when it came to producing it, Michael and I did that together, and uh, you know we reached in our pockets together, and uh, we were able to do it pretty cheap. There was some. Parts of the film we had to spend some money on to get a, the right camera and to get a good gaffer. Um, but Michael's very film oriented and knows a lot and is a very good, is a very good techie as well as being an artist. So uh, everything went smooth. And uh, there was no sort of Damocles hanging on Michael's head to, you know, to get the film done. I wanted him to take his time. So I'd visit an apartment and we'd see what we have. And then we get picky saying, oh, it's too noisy there. Or um, that sound doesn't sound right. I rather have nothing there. You we know. We'd, oh, you know, we pick apart at it to try and keep it as clean as possible. Hope that is that. right, I'm going on too long. I'm sorry. No, so no, please. no. It makes
0: it makes sense. So basically, because yeah, it's a pretty extensive crew, but you seem to have a, a, some shorthand with you with them. And then, who edited the film? You said you had your regular editor edit the film. Oh, Michael edited it. You edited it. So how right. do you like? How do you separate yourself from your performance
1: then? And like, <laughs> um, I mean, it was. We didn't show, I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we only shot two days and we didn't do a lot of takes. Okay, we, we, we did do, I mean, there we did do takes, you know, to dial in what Alan had wanted and he wanted to try different things. So I think we could have different, you know, choices in post, but you know, we had to, it was chop chop, you know, we had a lot of, especially with the uh murder scenes, there was that was a big day.
2: Yeah, that was smoke, smoke machines. We had a lot of, but we were fortunate, we, sh- we had a lot of b roll, we shot with two cameras. So that really helped quite a bit. So okay. we could go to the B, the B roll uh, if we needed it. But what I said, the one simple rule that I created for, that Michael loved is, and we were in concert about is, let's keep this film short. Less is go. We don't want to. You know, we want to. It's a short film. Let's underline short. You know, because uh, once people understand the story, we don't need to keep them there for two hours. You know, I mean, if somebody wants to make a, a, a you know a long feature film. About Richard Ramirez. That's not what we were looking to do, and and if that was something we were going to do. Somebody would have to give us the money to do it, because um, <laughs> we don't have that kind of dough. But we did have the kind of dough to be able to, to put this put put this in. And I also think it's very. I, I have been in a lot of film festivals with some other films I've directed. This one is nothing like uh, anything I've done before or anything I've seen before. So, um, really our protect
0: it. like because we send you the audience right with the feedback video
2: yeah that was great yeah
1: that was fantastic thank this you was wonderful wow yeah yeah it was really, really but you know what if, if I could touch on a question you had asked earlier because now I have an answer okay <laughs> but you you had uh asked because Alan had mentioned some things and it kind of sparked something but I knew that the in the story the, the cop later in life was questioning like his faith because how God could let this happen yeah right and so, and so he goes to his priest to discuss it. And he's really the priest is trying to bring him back. And you know, this is God has a, this is God's plan. Blah 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 yeah. blah. But uh, but to show the, to show the struggle of of Gil, I had to show what had happened, like what really happened, right? And he was there, and he he was trying to solve it, but he wasn't there fast enough for a lot of these you know victims. So that's kind of what generated the. I had to. I knew I had to show the the the, the truth about the situation with what Ramirez had done, and so and that's what that gave a reason for Gil to have that struggle.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, because you you like like as Alan said before, you need there needs to be motivation. You need to understand this character who this character is, right? So so is there, are they similar like they more similar than not similar the two characters that you played
1: they're both driven by their faith one was for god and one was for the devil but committed okay. you know committed
0: is there a thin line between the god and god and the devil like...
1: <laughs> i don't know that's a heavy <laughs> i have to think about that possibly
0: possibly yeah well yeah but it's there's but at the same time there's the, there's a higher power ideology I guess in place exactly right
1: yeah I mean like and he really because in the beginning of the film I show he's got the devil symbol you know the satanic symbol on his hand which he wore into court you know he did that in court so that's kind of like he was a firm believer and, and then there's a line of the thing is Satan this is for you or something like that yeah. which is which he actually said.
0: So you so this film, like you said, you're you guys were surprised, Alan. You're saying you're surprised that it's gotten gotten festival screens, it's got awards, but people are fascinated in a general sense of serial killers. Like look at the podcasts, like these, you know what I mean? Like the like why like people are just fascinated by these type of stories, and I don't like I don't know why, but they they like it seems like you're you're jumping on something that people are interested in. Like you said, it's all about like. Like why? What makes a person that that like who they are? Is it their past? Like, or they they're born that way? Like as you were alluding to too. But I think it's also the crime element. It's also the mystery element, and it's like the you know the audacity of these people just killing people. Like I, it's people are people are fascinated by it, and they're fascinated by your movie.
2: So you know, sociopathic behavior is fascinating, and sometimes it comes with people who are have very high IQ, very intellectual, very bright, but but very very dysfunctional uh and uh, sometimes incapable of uh of, of of having any empathy uh so um it's just fascinating how there's a lot of people in this world who are like that who are not criminals and there's <laughs> a lot of people like that yeah who, who create criminal behavior so it's not it's not become such a foreign trait behaviorally any longer i have been um strangely touched by uh, uh, that world we're living around the block from david berkowitz and then it In the summer of 1972, I was hitchhiking around the country with a childhood friend, and we stopped to meet another friend who was a ballet dancer with a whole bunch of ballet dancers in Santa Cruz uh, to hang out with them. And while we were there, one night, uh, one of the girls, uh, we were having a party, and uh, one of the girls came in crying, and then my traveling partner, my friend Henry, came back and he said he saw some guy chase one of the girls in the party and throw a big uh, machete at her and then jump in a car and speed away. We found out later that that was Kemper, Ed, Ed Kemper, who was six foot seven, who murdered all those girls in Santa Cruz. He's now doing life. He's probably my age, a little bit older. We came so close uh, to to this guy, and I thought, like, what a strange world that you bump. You know, I think maybe it's brought me into. I've kind of not bumped into people, but been in uh, in close uh, close not I don't know close contact, but some kind of path crossing of these kind of people. So I felt yeah. like maybe. Maybe one time I'll investigate writing about them. Um, but I certainly know it's a, it's a popular topic. And I also had an addiction for years where for 10 years, I read nothing but crime novels and I, I had to stop because I mean, I knew so much so that when I walked into the crime novel bookstore, they knew me my first name and I walked out with six, six books at a yeah. time. I'm sure there's but a lot then, of people like yourself who do that. It was an addiction, but then I had to stop and then I got, I read so many books, several, a couple of hundred that. I started guessing uh, um, who the uh, criminals were in the books. I, you know, it was like getting an, a master's degree of education. When you read a hundred of these books, you start to be able to see the patterns and the fabric and how the writers mm-hmm. um, create certain ways that you can. And then, then became no the fun because I, I was reading one book uh, and I and I guessed forty pages before that. You know, the crime is solved. I said, oh, "Screw that. I threw the book down and I have. Hardly read since, but now I'm back to reading um, uh, a book that came out a while ago by Michael Shabunko, the Yiddish Policeman's Union. So it looks like I'm maybe slipping back into uh, into the dangers again.
0: Or you can, I guess, you could read the, like the first person accounts, like the Dexter series or whatever, where like the serial killer himself is actually telling the story, right? So I can't watch
2: that one. I tried watching it; it, it bothers me that. Much. I love it. Uh, people, I am the minority. People love it. I I, what, I find that th- th- he's almost like an anti-hero. In that. He is an anti-hero. And I, I, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, well, he is an anti-hero. That's the whole I, point. I, yeah, I know, I know. It's the whole point. Everybody loves it except me. And yeah. uh, so I've steered clear of that one. But I love but it, the, True yeah. the True Detective series. I absolutely adore.
0: True Detective, yeah. True Detective, yeah.
2: I just, I am but an, a, a, an absolute junkie for uh, Slow Horses uh, with Gary Oldman about MI5. Yeah. And I just finished watching, and I'm late to the game on this one. I just finished watching, binging on The Night Manager, which, um, yep. so uh, you know, I am, I am interested sociopaths kind of fascinating. Yeah,
0: no, because you're you brought up Dexter, right? Michael smiled when he said that, but Dexter, like, he's a bad guy. Like, he's selfish. He's self serving. He treats us like he's he's horrible to his sister, right? And she gets like spoiler alert, like the thing, bad good things don't happen to her. And and but then people like her, people like Dexter because he kills like bad people, quote unquote. But he's a bad guy from the first frame of the of the series to the end, right? And like, but then that, that's the that's the interesting thing to me is that it's almost like the mafia guy, the mafia movies. It's like like henry hill is a bad guy but why why are you liking henry I, you hill know, that's what fascinates I, 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 me
2: it's like I, I wish i had a dollar for every time i had goodfellas i could take us all to paris for that money <laughs>
0: you know what i'm trying to say it's
2: like that's what fascinates
0: me is like people are fascinated by these bad people and they're like putting them on a pedestal
2: right well that's what, that, yeah. my point earlier is that yeah. if we dig down inside us we we really do have the cape sometimes the capability yeah. of doing those things what stops us is that we uh are are same people who realize the horror of it. But if when you're an actor, you can let go of the guilt of that and just try and focus go, what would it be like for me to be this? uh, How am I like this guy? How could I bring myself to do something horrendous? Uh, Would it make me feel powerful? Would it make me feel omnipotent? Uh, So those are the questions you ask yourself. And then of course, in reality, I mean, I can't harm, I couldn't harm a fly. But but, you know, that's the artistic part of it is you get, you get to travel down that path without doing any true damage you also just i also just you made me think just now of another one like that as um anthony hopkins and silence of the lambs there you go uh,
0: people I put might... him on a pedestal as well right
2: oh they love we love him yeah. you know we love him i didn't like the sequels but the first one uh, and i i and reading uh i remember reading the way before the movie came out i was traveling somewhere and i grabbed that book out of a, a a bookstore getting on a flight and let me tell you i i didn't sleep on that flight i didn't blink on that flight I, by the time i got off that flight i'd absorbed that book and then, of course, went back and read Red Dragon.
0: Yeah, uh, Red Dragon, yeah, the prequel. Uh,
2: and I've never liked any of the films they did in that book, none of them. Uh, uh, the book is uh, really, has not been dealt with well. Uh, they've done it three times, and hopefully they won't do it again because it never really. All right, happened.
0: guys, well, uh, the, the great movie, it's a really interesting shot, Like nice point of view, and uh, Michael Allen, like, is the great producer of all time. He's like, you're going to start, you're going to play two roles, and you're going to write the script as well. Okay, I'll see you in a couple months. <laughs> And you're like, okay, boss
2: we've had a great collaboration yeah. and we've done other things since you know uh, in acting class and just uh, yeah. working you know, on the auditions together so it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a good collaboration. You guys go both out.
0: got game. you got you guys got some got some skills skills so hopefully better if you guys are gonna collaborate to, uh, again on the future or or go on your separate ways but keep making movies and hopefully
1: we'll talk again in the future. Absolutely, yes. and it's been a true honor. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Thank you. One, two,
2: three, four,
1: five, six, seven, eight. Schlemiel, Hudson Heisman Incorporated.